Welcome back to Firewall. I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. My guest today is Ari LaFell. Ari, you don't really have a title, but effectively you are the uh, founder or co-founder, I'm probably get myself in legal trouble later one day if we have a lawsuit about all this, uh, and CEO of Fact Battle, um, which is a concept that you and I and Hugo and um, some other people on the team, Bob and Megan and Elliot and Stefan and Gabe, have been developing. Um, so let's just start out real simple. What is Fact Battle? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, so Fact Battle is essentially a, um, a competitive debate platform that right now is geared towards sports. Um, you, can, you can almost think about it as gamifying sports debates, Twitter debates in a way. Um, so we, we post a prompt to our website. A user comes on. They post their uh, best argument in 200 words or less. And then we have curated an AI judge that scores that argument out of 75 points. After the debate is finished, all the, deba- all the scores are tallied up. The winning scores uh, takes home a cash prize. Okay, so let, let's, let's take this piece by piece. So the first is, what are the kinds of topics that people are debating? Yeah, so right now it's all sports. Um, so we have one right now that is who will win the AFC East in the NFL, um, you know, as the playoff, the baseball playoffs get here, we'll we'll do a lot of who will win this series. You know, um, we do a lot of player versus player. You know, who who's the better player, Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker? Um, so that's a lot of what we do. And um, you know, we're we're working on a partnership right now. And when we work with other people to promote the debates, we have them uh, poll their audience on things that they would like to debate. Um, you know, whatever whatever people want to want to discuss. So. Um... Someone writes, what are they writing? Like a, a multi-page thesis or is this a couple hundred words? Like what, what are you submitting here? Yeah, so it's 200 words or less. So typically I'd say it's anywhere from 30 words to 150 words. Um, we've, seen, we've seen arguments with 40 words win. We've seen arguments with 200 words win. So, um, you know, as long as you can make your point effectively, you have a chance, chance to win. Um, but yeah, it's a maximum of 200 words. Got it. And when you say that we've curated AI to judge it, what does that mean? Yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time essentially training a judge in ChatGPT. So um, put together literally thousands of arguments and questions that we would feed to this judge um, until we got it to a point of consistency that we were comfortable with. Consistency meaning... You know, if we feed you these two arguments a hundred times, the correct one will win, you know, 90 or 95 percent of the time. Um, Basically, can this judge determine a good argument from a bad argument? Um, And we got to the point where it really could. Um, So, yeah, that's that's what I mean. And then so why why use AI as opposed to human beings? Um, One, human beings are human beings are more biased Um, Two. Uh, human beings are more expensive to uh, to get to judge as a simple reason. But um, yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, the, the concern with using AI was it's still so new and you don't know how people are going to react to it. You know, if, if you lose and you lose $5 um, because AI scored your argument, what you deem poorly, are you going to come back? And as I've spoken to users, you know, they're a lot more comfortable with AI than I would have imagined. So... Um, that's been fairly eye-opening. 
So right now, you know what, call it 20, 30 people will enter and they get a cash prize of how much if they win? Um, sometimes it's $5, sometimes it's 10 um, sometimes it's 20 but I would say the average is $10. Yeah, so pretty low because this is mainly, as I understand it, um, kind of still we're in beta testing, ultimately with the idea of this becoming a gambling website, right? So what, what's the vision for all of that? Correct. So the we are still essentially in beta testing right now, working out the kinks. We just launched our new, um, new and improved website about a week ago. Um, the next step that we want to get to is to require entry fees in order to participate. Um, meaning, you know, if I want to participate, I have to put in $2. As we get more entry fees and more participants, the pot will go up. And then, um, so that's that. And then ultimately, the sort of, uh, at least as we see it now, the sort of mega step for us would be to um, allow people in some way to bet on each other, third third party gambling. Um, so like the idea is like if Ari is a great soccer debater, and I know that I could put ten bucks on Ari, and who's the other side of the bet? Yeah, so that's uh, that's the complicated part where um, we need to work out those kinks truthfully before before we can actually get there. Um, of like who's the house of the bet, and you know how everyone can participate, how we pool it. So we're, we're working through that as we speak. Got it. Um, how is this legal? It's a game of skill. Um, so, you know, it takes skill to, um, to conduct a good argument and convince the judges it's really that simple. Right, and I, I'll break the fourth wall here for a second because I'm interviewing artists if I don't know anything about this. Um, the reason that the game of skill uh, definition works really well for us is when we ran all the campaigns to legalize FanDuel and fantasy sports betting, um, we had to redefine what a game of skill was. And in doing so, it broadened the definition. So even though when we did that, we had no idea that seven years later we'd be thinking about building a, a gambling debating website, fundamentally I think what Bob and I and you realized is like, holy shit, we've actually already legalized this thing. Yeah, no, it definitely, um, on my end, it definitely simplified the research process. I mean, having having you and Bob as resources who essentially developed these, uh, helped develop these rules just a few years ago. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, that aspect of it was pretty straightforward. And, you know, as sort of the the guy who's who's thinking of these weird ideas, it's something that, like, you're thinking of the ideas and the, the question of, oh, is this even legal, doesn't really cross your mind until you and Bob are like, yes, it's legal. So, um, but yeah, it's... it's straightforward it's a game of skill um and what what makes you think that people are going to want to do this yeah so you know it's something you and i have spoken about which is people who love sports love to do a couple things they love to watch they love to bet on it they love to argue about it with their friends you can watch and you can bet basically anywhere you want right now online um, but there's no way that you can essentially get rewarded for your arguments except for you feeling good that you quote unquote beat your friend or won your Twitter argument. Um, and so, you know, spending time on Twitter as I do, you see people arguing all day in the comments and everything. So if there's a way to essentially reward user A, B, C, or D for making a good argument, then that's sort of the reasoning. Why wouldn't they and want to do that? Do you feel like ultimately the incentive for people is the ability to win 
the the kind of prize pool, or do you think it's that they like the idea of there being a determined quantitative winner that happens to be them? I think we're going to learn that. Um, that's a great question. I, I really think that I don't think it's I don't think it's um, black or white. I think for some users, it's probably they're doing it because of oh, I can win ten dollars, and for some users, they're like. Oh, I have an opinion on this. Let's see if I can win. So I really think it's um, it's both ways. Um, but yeah, I think that they're, you know, people like to win and they like to get told that they're right and they like to share their opinions. So I do think that there's definitely a psychological aspect like, oh, I can write 100 words and maybe beat the other 20 people who are also and doing that. If someone wins, can they then share it on social and on course. various feeds and say, hey, look how smart I am. Of course. Even ChatGPT knows I'm right. Exactly. Um, why sports? Why couldn't you do this for culture or politics or whatever else? Yeah, so first of all, we definitely can do it for culture and politics, and we hope to. Um, you know, the reason makes the, the reason sports makes sense are, you know, with the sort of gambling aspect, entry fee aspect that we want to get into, one, sports is just the obvious gateway for that. Um, we know that sports fans share their opinions rather... Um, excitedly on the internet already. Um, we already know that they're doing these the behaviors essentially that we want them to do just elsewhere. Um, so it really just makes the most sense. And you know, I think that as we sort of started brainstorming this idea, we agreed that, well, if we can make this work with sports, then the options really are endless because, you know, people will debate you know, what's a better condiment, mustard or ketchup, not just who's going to be better next year, the Yankees or the Mets. Right. And so when we first started doing this, it wasn't clear to us that AI would be the solution for judging. So you kind of, what did you know about AI going into this? And what have you learned and kind of what's your take on it now? Yeah. So um, when ChatGPT originally came out, I think I was maybe a couple weeks late to the party in terms of actually using it, but I had played around with it, you know, just in the way that probably a lot of people did, just to see what it could do, you know, explain X, Y, or Z to me, like I'm a third grader, and just kind of seeing like what it has. As I've really started to dive into it, and I've spent um, countless hours talking to the chatbot, you know, I think that it is so powerful. It's I've noticed that it has gotten so much better and consistent just in the past couple of months. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I think that the possibilities are really endless. And I don't even think that we have a full understanding of, of the application of it yet. Like these different AIs are going to find their niche and be so impactful. But I think on the flip side, you know, it can obviously be really harmful because there are a lot of really smart, good people in the world and there are a lot of really smart, bad people. And if a smart, bad person wants to use it for bad, then, then they'll be able yeah, to. Yeah, that was my next question, which was like, ultimately for generative AI, are you feeling optimistic because you've seen what it can do and that makes you excited for, okay, like putting aside its ability to, to, to judge a, a sports debate, but like, you know, figure out how to take carbon out of the atmosphere or how to detect cancer long before anything else can or whatever else? Or do you think that its ability to be used for misinformation ultimately, like if I gave you right now the choice, like, all right, you can ban uh, generative AI or not. What would you choose? It's a very hard question. Um, I'd love to know what the um, what like the legalization is around all of it. But um, 
I would I would probably say we have to keep it. You know, it would just be limiting so much potential to to get rid of it as a whole. Um, but you know, you learn from a very young age that one bad apple can kind of ruin ruin it for the rest of the people. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really really interesting. I think you know, not even just using it for evil, but I think it's going to be interesting how um, educators use it in schools and. Um, you know, it, it's just and people have talked to us actually about using fact battle as a tool for people to improve their writing and things like that. Um, what do you think of the concept? And if, if we were to move forward with it, how would you do it? Yeah, I think I think there's act, there actually could be a lot of potential there. Um, you know, education is is so vast, like we would have to do so much research into not just how it would work. You know, I have a pretty clear idea, you know, we could have a web page built with it for education in two weeks and have a, a, a product that would, you know, work. But we would have to do so much research to prove to educators and schools that it's actually worthwhile. Um, so, you know, I think it would, it would be a little bit naive of me to say that I have a clear idea of how it would actually work without really doing the legwork on it. But yeah, I mean, you know, as as someone who growing up wasn't always um, enthralled with being in the classroom, I think that it could definitely be a fun way for students to learn. And, and I think it, um, I actually think creating the, creating it for education and the judge, whatever you want to call it, would be easier than creating it for subjective sports debates because you could really, you could essentially give it a curriculum and say, this is what we're grading students on. Um, and it would learn that really well. So when you and I first met, the job that we were talking about was to run and create something called the Hall of Very Good Players. What was that, and how did that turn into a gambling debating site? Yeah, so the Hall of Very Good Players was, you know, it was essentially a, a website, online platform, social media, where we wanted to create conversation and debate around sort of the next level of great players who didn't make the Hall of Fame, you know, should they be in the Hall of Fame? And then also question perhaps some of the players who are in the Hall of Fame. Um, we launched that website um, in January, I believe. And, you know, we were, we were getting some followers and um, building up a little bit, but I was kind of searching for like the, I guess the hook you could call it, um, along with the, how are we actually going to make money doing this kind of hook. Um, and, you know, every time we talked about it, I think the word debate came up and spending so much time on Twitter, it kind of like little by little hit me like maybe there's sort of this unique way to look at this sports betting era that's uh, very quickly upon us. So I think that's how it uh, ultimately came. Um, all right. So since Hugo doesn't really ever let me talk about sports on the podcast, I'm going to call an audible and. Uh, use your being here as an excuse to do it. So let's rip through this quickly. So uh, baseball, you're a Yankees fan. Um, I make you Hal Steinbrenner for the day. Cashman and Boone, keep them or fire them? Uh, first thing I would do is fire Cashman. I, I don't have, have as big of a problem with Boone. Um, I actually like Boone, and I think the players really like him. So first, first order of business would be to get rid of Cashman. And if, if you were Steve Cohen and you could decide on Epler and Showalter, what would you do? You know, I'm not... It seems like the players actually like Showalter. Mm -hmm. um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything if I was Steve Cohen. I think that 
I think Steve Cohen learned his lesson the hard way that you can't buy a championship. And now the Mets are probably in a better position long term because he's going to do everything he can to actually build a team the right way. Um, and, you know, I think he's proven that he's very dedicated to winning. So I think the Mets actually for the next decade should be entering a very good situation. Yeah. Uh, I won't try and comment on that, but I hope you're right. Um, Shohei Itani, what team is he on next year? Um, we'll say the Dodgers. It just makes sense. Contract is north of half a billion or no? It definitely was going to be until until this recent injury. Um, I would, I mean, there's so much unknown now with this, but I would still say it is north of half a billion. I mean, even if he can't pitch, the money, ticket sales, merchandise that he can bring into a team is just uh, utterly ridiculous. So I would say north. Um, who's going to win the World Series this year? The Braves. Um, all right, NFL, you're a Jets fan? Oh, I'm um, a Jets fan. That's painful. But um, So have you submitted an entry into our who will win the AFC East? And if so, did you pick the Jets? I have not submitted one. I've been surveying the field, seeing what uh, the, the person we're actually working with on our partnership this week is um, has created his whole platform based on Boston sports. So like, it's been very mature of me to kind of look past that, I think. Um, but I feel as most, most Jet fans do, so great about the Jets that I'm like internally petrified because usually when you feel good about them, something goes and, wrong. And the fact that Rodgers was not particularly great last year does not worry you? No, not at all. I think he was, uh, I think he was injured. I think he was kind of checked out. He also, with the team the Jets have, he doesn't need to be a top five quarterback. He just needs to be good. So every year we like to debate all the teams that can make the playoffs with the Super Bowl, and then usually the Chiefs either make it or win it. Um, tell me why, despite our desire for variety, this year is any different. Well, Travis Kelsey did just apparently hurt his knee today in practice, so that would be an issue. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the Chiefs are dealing with a contract dispute on their defensive line with Chris Jones. He was their second or third best player last year. Um, you know, the Eagles were really close to beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Bengals were close to beating the Chiefs in the uh, AFC Championship the year before the Bills almost beat them. So, you know, the Chiefs are the best team, but it's not as if they've breezed through everyone and, you know, they're not winning every game by three touchdowns. So, you know, it's kind of a possession here or there. If, if you were starting a team today and you had to take – you could have any player in the league you want, but you're starting to have to be age 25 or younger. Who would you pick? Aged. Is Joe Burrow under 25? Let's assume that he is for purposes. Yeah, I would, t I would take Burrow. Yeah. He's got the moxie. He's got the... And it would be a, a quarterback 100 times out of 100. Yeah, I think it Yeah, I was looking at the MVP odds today, and like the first, I don't know, 18 of the 20 candidates were all... Like some really bad quarterbacks, it's, too. It's totally still. ridiculous. They have Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. The MVP is literally just QB of the Year. So they, they should probably figure out a new way to do the awards. But I guess a quarterback is always going to be the most valuable player, so maybe it makes sense. Have you been watching the uh, Basketball World Cup? I have not. Um, do you think that when Mignogna will live up to the hype? I mean, it's so hard when a guy gets hyped up like this, like... You know, it's we saw it with Zion. Obviously, he can't stay on the court, so he hasn't. You know, the only other guy we've really seen it with is is LeBron, right? And obviously, he's he, done, he did okay. 
He's de- he's done okay. Yeah. You you know, I think uh, I think going to the Spurs is great for him. Being with Popovich, like I don't know how you live up to the lofty expectations, but I think he'll do well enough that people at least won't question them. Um, Just a cop out answer, but James Harden starts the season with the Sixers. Yeah. Dame Lillard starts the season with the Trailblazers. I think so. Um, do the Knicks finally in a position where they can trade for a superstar, and is that superstar Joel Embiid? Oh, that would be awesome. I uh, If they trade for a superstar, I think it would be Joel Embiid, and if that happens, it probably means that Harden doesn't start the season in Philly. Um, I actually think the Knicks are in an enviable position right now. They just have to not screw it up. So. Agree or disagree? The Phoenix Suns, despite maybe having the most talent in the league, will not get out of the second round of the playoffs because at the end of the day, Kevin Durant is not a winner. And the only time he's ever won was when it was Steph Curry's team. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree. Um, you know, whether it's because he's not a winner or because he'll probably be hurt for large stretches of the season or who knows, I, I think I agree with that. And if you were starting a team today, any player in the league, who are you starting with? I will take Giannis. Yeah, it's Giannis or Jokic, right? It's Giannis. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you uh, been watched? Do you watch the U.S. Open? I love the U.S. Open. Yeah, who who's like the player that you're excited about this year? I mean, you know, Alcaraz is obviously the cop out answer because everyone's excited about him. I think the there are a lot of great U.S. players now in the men's. You know, Fritz. I think he probably just lost to Djokovic, but he's good. Francis Tiafo is very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think most tennis fans, including myself, are hoping that it's. Alcaraz and Djokovic in the finals because that'll be the most fun. But have you been uh, to the US Open this year? I went on Sunday. Did you get that honeydew drink? My fiance got the honeydew drink. I ate the pieces of honeydew on top. Got it. So what I read, um, and it's funny, I've been probably two or three Met games since the US Open started. So I've been near the US Open quite a bit, but but not inside of it. Um, is that it's kind of become a very, between all of the drinking and the weed smoking, whatever else, it's become a very unruly atmosphere. Is that hype or is that real? Uh, I've heard that that's real. It, it wasn't, it, it didn't feel crazy to me when I was there the other day. Granted, you know, I was in Armstrong, I wasn't in Ash, and the, the, the matches were relatively unexciting. But yeah, I have heard about the complaints of weed smoking and, uh, they are selling honey deuces at um, record numbers. So yeah, and they're selling pre rolls when they get off the seven train. Yeah. Um, so the latest argument as to why soccer is finally going to make it in the U.S. is that Lionel Messi is here and he's so exciting. Um, do you buy that, or is this just the ultimate Lucy in the football, where like every year this is going to be the year, and other than some hipsters like Hugo uh, showing up at bars at seven a.m. to watch Premier League, no one really gives a shit. So I. I played soccer my whole life. I followed soccer for years. I've been watching the Miami games with Messi, and it is legitimately exciting. I think, I think soccer is on the rise. I mean, listen, like I don't know how to quantify it because it's never going to be bigger in the U.S. than basketball or football, and probably not baseball. But it's definitely gaining popularity. I think, and Messi is uh, pretty spectacular to watch. So, yeah, um, you're a big reader. We're sitting here in PNT Netware. Best books you've read lately? The best book I've read lately is called um, Never Split the Difference by Chris uh, Voss or Haas. Um, It's a book about negotiating, and he was um, basically the lead terrorist 
negotiator for um, the uh, the FBI, I believe, or um, incredible book. I mean, he he kind of teaches you lessons through his own stories, and his stories are just incredible. Um, so I really enjoy that. I I reread Shoe Dog this summer after seeing the movie Air yeah. for the first time since since like high school. So um, yeah, that's always a good one. Um, how do people check out Fact Battle? Yeah, you can go to um, fact-battle.com. Look us up on Instagram and Twitter at fact underscore battle. Um, and, and if people have sort of feedback since we're still in beta, what's the best way for them to tell you? Reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or shoot me an email at um, ari at tuskholdings.com and uh, I will get back to you very quickly. Yeah, so there we go. So uh, the listeners, if you are interested in sports and in debating um, and you get a chance, we'd love for you to check out Fact Battle. We need all the feedback we can get. Hopefully we can build something pretty cool about it. Ari, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. Firewall is recorded on the Lower East Side of PET Network, home to New York City's only free podcast recording studio. Let us know if you have a question, feedback, or ideas for a guest. Just email me at bradley at firewall.media or find me on Twitter, or some people now call it X, at Bradley Tusk. And don't forget to pre-order my debut novel, Obvious in Hindsight, wherever books are sold, especially here at PET Network.